Welcome to ReChurch. I'm Marshall Fant, the Director of Church Consulting and Strategic Planning for Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. My purpose is to encourage pastors and church leaders as you refocus, renew, and revitalize your churches. We've established this podcast to offer practical tips and suggestions as you equip disciples to make disciples. This is Marshall Fant with GFA Missions. Welcome back to ReChurch. Today we've got a special treat, a man who many of you may know by Pastor Bill. So Pastor Bill Park, welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much for letting me participate today. Looking forward to this opportunity. Yeah, and for many years, I just knew you as Pastor Bill. I mean, we had um, a couple from your church there in Pennsylvania that moved down to our area, and I heard about Pastor Bill forever. So it was great to finally meet you in person one time. And so, Pastor Bill, tell everybody your background, where you pastored, and a little bit about your family and everything. I'd love to share that with you. I had the privilege of being raised in a church planter's home and moved with my dad from place to place from the time I was about four years old to 14 years old, planting churches in the Northeast Philadelphia area. Wow. And then God directed and moved my dad out into the Lancaster, Berks County area, which is Redding, Pennsylvania, Mm -hmm. Lancaster, Pennsylvania, right? to plant a, a rural church on a farm called High Point Baptist Chapel. Wow. Now, your dad planted that church? It was my dad that was initiated it, and I had the privilege of being a sidekick. Wow, I did not know that. Thank you and for sharing that. Yes, and he anchored there, and then when he went home to be with the Lord, I had the privilege of stepping up into his shoes. Mm. And you pastored there how many years? I was there over 40 years. Yeah. And uh, enjoyed that opportunity very much because we did initiate a Christian school, before that a camp, and then obviously the church itself, and part of the DNA of my life and High Point's life was planting churches both nationally and internationally, and that became a real heartthrob for me personally. So just roughly, in, in your experience over the years through High Point, how many not counting the churches your dad planted, how many churches just roughly were planted either financially or prayerfully or people out of High Point? Do you have any? Yeah, um, I'm guessing somewhere between 15 and 18, and I'm on number 18 right now. Wow. Now, your son's also a pastor, right? My son is a church planner. Yeah, and you're part of his church? I have two sons that are church planners. One uh-huh. church planner here in the United States, and others a church planner in Santiago, Chile. Wow. Well, that's a blessing to see the next generation carrying on that burden that your dad started and you picked up and they picked it up. That's a real thrill for me to even say that. Yeah, it's the grace of God, isn't it? It sure is. All right, so Pastor Bill, the topic we were getting into, and I think I'll let you run with this as being one way of church planting. All right, so in the revitalization world, there are three terms that are thrown around. One is called adoption, one is called merger, and one is called fostering, okay? So the key term we're going to focus on is really adoption. So if you could maybe define that term, and then maybe we can discuss the difference between that and a merger and fostering, and and really how you have seen it be an arm or a type of church planting. So if you could run with that first definition and explanation, that'd be great. I'll be glad to do that. Let me just introduce a couple things that are a little preliminary. Sure. That gives a little bit of a context of where I see this coming out of the Scriptures. I believe that God's Word 
teaches that all churches <laughs> have been planted. Mm-hmm. The responsibilities of those churches is to plant other churches or more churches. And so I see church planning as uh, planting other churches that have the same DNA of multiplication and reproducing, of which adoption is one way of doing it. Okay. Just a reminder, Christ on planet Earth talked about the church. He said these words, which all of us know, I will build my church. Amen. I just stopped there for a second. That is just a fantastic statement, talking about the Lord God Almighty as the founder of the church, I will. Mm-hmm. Talks him about being the, the construction manager, using the term build. And then he speaks very clearly about who owns the church he does. Yes. His church. Mm-hmm. And as you read through this passage, we see this remarkable revelation that Christ's church is indestructible. He says, the gates of hell will not prevail or overpower it. It's going to be going on and going on and going on. And I see that as the basis of looking through the rest of the New Testament and garnering a great argument for church planning as a great motif for all churches. Good. I think all of us recognize... Matthew chapter 28, right after Christ rose again from the dead, and he says these words, All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. And then he says, Go therefore, make disciples of all nations. He certainly says several other things right after that. But again, we see this mandate by the risen Savior challenging us as his disciples to get out and get going and be disciple-makers. And it doesn't limit us to Israel or that area. It says all nations. And so what a privilege it is to have Christ giving us this mandate that I believe is a follow-up of, I will build my church. Yeah, and the mandate's going always. I mean, continually going, continually baptizing, continually making disciples. Absolutely. Generation after generation, church after church. Okay, good. And then I think about, before we get into the adoption issues for a second, I think about the book of Acts, Mm -hmm. you know, and having studied the book of Acts and preached on the book of Acts and learned from other folks about what the book of Acts is all about. I'm amazed at the fact that in the book of Acts, there are 23 explicit references to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we immediately understand that the power of the resurrection has something to do with what was going on in the book of Acts. Another thing that amazes me about the book of Acts is that there are 20 explicit references that more and more people were trusting Jesus Christ as their Savior. Yes. And some of them were in the context of a new church. Yeah. We're familiar with these words, but... You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And as I read through the book of Acts and see the the steps of the apostles, the disciples, literally going from town to town, and what are they doing? They're, They're multiplying. They're making disciples. 
and in some instances they are planting churches. Yeah. And later on in the Bible, whole books are written to those churches. Yes, they are. That they were doing. One of my favorite verses when it comes to church planning is found in the book of Acts. It's this. And the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. Mm -hmm. And I look at that verse from two perspectives. It says, and the churches were strengthened in the faith. And I believe that talking about the truth of the Scriptures, that which the disciples were using from the Old Testament, inspired by God, communicated by these people, and they were growing spiritually, and as they were growing spiritually, they did what many sheep do. They multiply. Yes. As they increased in numbers Amen. daily. I'll have to be transparent about that. I'm not quite sure whether whether it's, there, there are more and more churches or there are more and more people in the churches that existed. Uh, Maybe it's both. It could be, and yeah. It's just an interesting thing. Sure. So that gives you a little bit of an idea of some of the what I would call the foundational motivation for, for planting a church. And we have to have that. Otherwise, we're going to drift into other things. Yes, sir. We sure will. Yeah. One of the areas that we're talking about is this idea of adoption. Mm-hmm. As a pastor, I got involved in literal adoptions. Adoptions here in the United States, and some because of our missionaries in different parts of the world. And I often thought, what is an adoption? Mm-hmm. A couple of definitions. is to take by choice a child into a father-mother-parent relationship. Yes. And I've seen that happen both in South America and in the United States, where children were in need and godly people stepped up and adopted those children. Another mm. definition of adoption is a an act or a process of adopting a child and establish a parent-child relationship. Mm. Another one is the act of taking a needy child into a parent-child relationship and providing everything that child needs to survive. Now, put those terms into the church setting that we're talking today. Right. Here's a short definition. A, a healthy, growing church establishes a relationship with a struggling church, and that healthy, growing church adopts the struggling church. All right, now, I think there was a word you used there was by choice. So there has to be a church that is struggling must, I think the way you worded it to me one time was, they must want help. Yes, hopefully we'll talk about that. Okay, <laughs> I didn't mean to get ahead of you. I'm just trying That's to... That's really good. Yeah, uh, yeah. A, fr- a friend of mine who I asked for some information recently, he calls it the adoption model. His name is Ken Davis. He's in yeah. charge of an organization called Project Jerusalem. This is what he said adoption is. Someone else plants the church, but your church later adopts the small, struggling baby and nurtures it and mm. resources it back to health. That's Another good. way of looking at it. Yeah. I found out that, and frankly, it was a, a learning experience for me, that there are, I don't know what word I want to use, not synonyms, but other ways of determining it. And you used, used a couple there in the beginning. Yeah. One person said... The adoption model is like grafting. Yeah. The adopting okay. church sends a few members to the struggling church and helps renew it. 
another person, surprisingly, uses the word transplanting. Huh, haven't heard that one. Yeah. Many members mm-hmm. to essentially replant. Okay. Now, I mentioned that when I was at High Point, we had a goal in the 90s to plant nine churches. And the way we did that was in several cases, we literally adopted other churches that were struggling right. and came to us and asked us for help. And when we when we did that, we did not necessarily use the word adopt, but that right. basically that's what we were doing. And we would recruit in at High Point people to go and be part of that church plant, hmm. that church takeover, church merger, or even the word fostering. Yeah. And we would ask people to go and we would ask them and have them commit to going for at least six months, up to a year, up to two years, and we encourage them just to stay there for the rest of their lives. Sure. That's how God would lead or direct. Yeah. Now, most of these churches, Pastor Bill, were in the greater geographical area where you were, where your people could go. Is that? Yes. A couple were out of state, so that we did not send people out Right. Of state. Okay. But yes, there's a Faith Baptist Church in Phoenixville. Right. Uh, we adopted that church. There's a Cocalico Community Church in a place called Denver, Pennsylvania. We adopted that one. And so we were involved in this idea of grafting, church planning, yeah. merging, or fostering. Yeah, and again, every model is going to be different. So we want to make sure we express that, that there's, you know, there's not one model you have to follow, right? It depends on the need of the struggling church. Yeah, and there's no verses in the Scripture that says, here's seven steps to plant a church. Yeah. Here's six steps to adopt a church. So I have taught church planning. I've been involved in church planning. And I make sure that I say sometime along the road, every situation is different. Keep in mind that God has told us that he's going to build our church. And keep in mind that God has said we are to be witnesses. And keep in mind that we need to be multiplying and reproducing. And however you go about it in the boundaries of the Scriptures, praise God. Yeah, that's good. So really what you've discovered is kind of the why. Why do we do what we do? Yes. Anything else, uh, Pastor Bill, you want to add to the whys there? Any other passages you have or any other things you want to—before we go into the how-tos, anything else on the whys? One of the things I'd probably like to talk about at least mentioned to to us, is there are some very good books written on revitalizing churches, and I actually I actually have seven of them here right in front of me. Oh, okay. Uh, but there's a couple I'd like to just mention. Sure. If there are men out there that are just looking what to do and thinking what to do, there's a lot of good books out there that help us. One is called uh, Reclaiming Glory. Mm-hmm. That's the title of it. Then there's a hashtag to it, Revitalizing Dying Churches. Yeah. The author is Mark Clifton. Yeah. And if I understand it right, he comes from a Southern Baptist background, and they realized that they were having a lot of churches that were dying, and they realized that they needed to do something about it. Another one is called Replant Roadmap, and the subtitle is How Your Congregation can revitalize dying churches by a Mark Hollick, H-A-L-L-O-C-K. Okay. And that's just two of the eight I have right here in front of yeah. me. But they may help men 
and churches to just give some thought to how they can help. Yeah, and Mark Clifton's very well spoken. Uh, he's a lot on the podcast with Tom Rayner. So if you yeah. want more of Clifton's stuff, it's uh, Revitalize and Replant with Tom Rayner. And I think Clifton's on about every other podcast. I think he's out of Kansas City anyway. But Mark is very well spoken, very practical, and can offer men a lot of encouragement in the area of revitalization. So yeah, those are two I, uh, good books, yeah. Yeah, and another fellow that appears with Tom Rayner is a guy named Ed Stetzer. Yeah. And I feel very good writing on the idea of planting a missional church. Right. Mm-hmm. And also a transformational church. Yeah. And then there's a book called Gaining by Losing by J.D. Greer. Yeah. That speaks so much about churches not being satisfied with their own mega kind of a church. I'm not talking about large, 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 but think about reaching out and branching out and adopting and planting as a parent church. Sure. There's a a lot of advantages to the adoption model. I could share a couple of them with you if you'd like me to, and disadvantages. All right. I'll tell you what, let's do this. So we've covered the why. All right. So now we're going to end this podcast and we're going to continue recording. Okay. And we're going to get in the how to's. Is that okay with you? That's fine with me. All right. So, again, I've had uh, Pastor Bill Park, and our first topic was the why of really of adopting, merger, fostering, but really multiplying churches is the bottom line, the different models to do it, and this was the why. So, Pastor Bill, thank you so much. You're listening to ReChurch, a podcast of Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. If you would like more information about our ministry or how we may assist you and your church, visit us at gfamissions.org slash consulting.